Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyrend, Book 4. We're a custom 5e D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they seek to change the world, and how the world responds in turn. I am your host and DM, Scott, and you can find me on Twitter at TheScottBlake. Hi, I'm Chris, and you can find me at EwokKiller on Twitter. I play Finnegan Finn Tempest, a tiefling trainer, which is a Skyrend original class supported by the Metalweave Games supplement Baby Beastry. Finn is the trainer of Cerulius, a blue guard drake. Hi, my name is Nate. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Nate. I play Darvin Grimm, the human monk, and I am currently hosting Cade, the demigod of the land in my brain. Hi, I'm Shannon. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Shannon. I play Aranus Gray, the god of rebellion, and I am a half-elf bard. You can also find the show on Twitter at Skyren Podcast, and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Head on over to find out about bonus chapters, early access, NPC creation, and more. Now then, thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. The battles within the Church of Corum here in Libera have finally come to an end. Malsius and his most devout followers are dead. While attempting to summon Corum, Nils Virages and his way of obligate mortality inner circle were slain, but not before they found success. Though Darwin had managed to damage the modified teleportation circle, Nils and his crew were still able to open a small portal to the hollow. Bringing Darwin inside, they were able to refocus the magical energies and target them at Corum. Corum, finding himself pulled to Libera, was far from amused. Upon being told that it was Darwin's flesh that made this blasphemous act possible, he made his displeasure felt. Shoving a finger into Darwin's chest, his divine energy spread through Darwin's body reaching out to all of the grim pendants and other severed pieces, causing them to erupt. This proved fatal for any with a grim pendant implanted within their bodies. The punishment for this sin being the removal of Darwin's deathless nature, though some traces of his previous blessings remain, even if they have been twisted. Furthermore, Corm has demanded that none of you are to bother him again until penance has been paid, though he did not state what would be sufficient. Instead, he stepped from the roof of the church to the city below, beginning a slow yet determined path out of Libera. When you exit the church, the citizenry is in shock. Not only has there been a slaughter in the church, but the god of death himself was seen marching out of the city. Some view it as a blessing, the beginning of a new pilgrimage, but some see it as an ill omen. You are greeted with suspicion, and people go out of their way to avoid you. The walk back to the regal splendor is quiet and tense. The rest of your party, along with Iskra Maldon, eventually rejoin you at the ship 
you'll need at least a couple of days to recover from the incidents at the church and to resupply your provisions before the journey's ahead. But before we get to that, everyone has also leveled up after the whole ordeal at the church. Would folks like to share what they gained? And, more importantly, Darvin, we need to talk about what Coram did to you. So, who wants to go first? Uh, I can go. Aranis, leveled up. What level are you at now? I am at level 16. Cool. And what did you get? Instead of the ability score improvement, I took the feat Inspiring Leader. Nice. I now have 99 hit points. And I swapped out the spell Confusion in favor of Greater Invisibility. Very cool. Would you like to give us just a brief overview of what that feature does that you took? Oh, sure. Inspiring Leader. The basics of it, if I take 10 minutes before we get into combat, I can choose up to six friendly creatures that could include myself that can either see or hear me and understand me within a range of 30 feet. They all gain temporary hit points equal to my level plus my charisma modifier, which would be 21 hit points. Very cool. Thank you, Arnis. Who wants to go next? I could. Oh, good. I'm ready. Okay, Darwin. Also at level 16, what did you get? Also at level 16, so first... I just take the ability score improvement. Ooh, which ability? Um, I went with con. Nice. Which I raised to 18. Cool. And what does that make your HP total now? HP total is now 147. Dang. Dang. All right. On top of leveling up, you have also been touched, marked by Corm. He was not happy that your flesh was being used in such a manner. This definitely had an impact on your Corum's Acolyte feature. And you are now Corum's Accursed. Do you want to talk about what that means for you? Yeah, Corum's Accursed. My previous deal has been revoked. I am no longer deathless. I am a cursed abomination, and I no longer possess any of those favors. Basically, Corum mad. Deathless no longer. Mm-hmm. You possess some of those features. They have been changed a little bit. Do you want to tell us what those features are? The boons and banes? Yeah. So the boons, I uh, may still have my proficiency in mod to intimidation. Oh, it's intimidation now instead of... Yeah. Uh, that's it's right. no longer persuasion. People think you're no scary. Longer. I am now scary. Which is good, because, well, that's probably good. <laughs> when making death saves and roll 20 or accumulate their successes remove the effect of a death save bane or take an ongoing plus one mod to a stat of my choice limit two per stat mm-hmm. and, and the big change here regarding body part swapping which I know we haven't done with you but it has changed if a body part has been removed, I may attach a similar body part from another creature if it has been removed from a living creature who is still alive within the past 30 minutes must be performed with healing magic such as regenerate. So I can't just, like, swap things in without magic anymore. Right, right. And you can't pull them from dead bodies either. Uh, I know we hadn't done that before, but that option 
is still there. It's just a reduced option. And then your Banes. The first one has definitely changed, and the second one has been modified a little bit. Okay, first, others proficient in religion or insight know that I've been touched by karma and will make all reasonable efforts to avoid me, so those people don't like me. Yeah, you're, you're scary. You've been cursed by the god of death, and they don't want anything to do with you. That's bad, bad omen. And when making death saves and rolling a 1, remove the effect of a death saving throw boon, or take an ongoing minus 1 mod to a stat of my choice, limit 2 per stat. Additionally, take a madness for a length of time as determined by a D100 roll. Yeah. Before that madness roll was separate from the death saving throw banes, where you could forego the bane and take madness instead, now they're both happening. But again, that requires you to get down to death saving throws, and your way of the long death stuff makes it really hard to get you to that point. That's true. So I'm not sure if that'll happen. Story-wise, it's mostly the whole, you can now intimidate people because you've been marked by Corum, and those who know anything about religion, or are at least a little bit insightful, know that you've been marked, and that scares them, and they want to avoid you. A lot of parents pulling their kids to the other side of the street. But yeah, yeah. Alright, anything else from Darwin? That's it. Alright. Finnegan and Cyril. Or tamer combo. Yes. So starting with Finnegan, I chose to take a feat as a kind of evolution of Finnegan's both training and what's been going on with him directly. I took the mm-hmm. Warcaster feat, which Ooh. gives me uh, advantage on con saves for holding concentration spells. Gives me the ability to use and cast somatic components while wielding weapons and shields. And... I get to use spells as opportunity attacks. Now, this is much more minutia of it in the player's handbook, but that's the basics of it. Excellent. And I got a new spell. I got a Ooh. fire shield, which is going to be a ton of fun to use. Because, hey, no concentration. That's always nice. Mm-hmm. And then Cyril leveled up to level 14, because she's a little behind us, because it means that I could, if I wanted to, take another creature. Mm-hmm. And in her leveling up, aside from going up a whopping 10 hit points, she also gained the magical hide ability, which is in the uh, baby beast tree that we've been using and gives her resistance to non-magical bludge- non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Mm-hmm. So she just got a whole lot harder to hurt. Yes. It is, however, negated by the effect magical seek. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, gonna cut that part out. No, you're not. No, you're not. We'll see. I don't know. That's for future Scott. But yes, Cyril's level up comes from the baby bestiary, which we have been using by Andreas Walters and Kyle Cardi of Metal Weave Games. Making Cyril the very good girl that she is. Well, helping to make Cyril the very good girl that she is as complimented by our own Tamer class. Cool. Does that cover everybody's level-up stuff in a nutshell? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So, it's been a few days since the incidents at the church. People seem to be avoiding you, and we're all back at the Regal Splendor, parked just inside the city. Sam and others are helping take care of reprovisioning, resupplying the ship for the journey ahead. Is there anything people want to do 
before we leave the city. Do we need rope? Probably. I was thinking, uh, I also could probably use a re-up on some jerky for Cyril. (laughs) Just, Just to make sure I'm on it. I've only got eight pieces and, you know, extra wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, it's going to be a while on that ship, and Cyril's not going to have a lot of room to run around. So making sure she has treats is good. And Arnis, in terms of getting rope, I don't know, do you want rope? Rope has been spent. I Yeah, which is why I've been thinking about it, because I can't remember if since we like basically used like all of our rope, if we got any more. I feel like I just used the last of mine. Yeah, so I'm feeling like we should get some rope. Okay. <laughs> Those are not items that Sam is taking care of in his reprovision. It is mostly food and water. Right. So, if y'all want to get some supplies, normally I would just hand wave this stuff. But... Cool. I said normally. This is not normal. (laughs) I know. But you have... But you all have caused quite the scene here in the city and have participated in the deaths of numerous people in that church. Darwin is marked, so people are wary of you. On top of that, as soon as you step out of the ship, you'll notice that there's always at least a couple of guards watching you. The ship specifically. Shops, jerky salesmen, rope salesmen, and like, don't really like that you're coming to visit them. They don't really want to be seen as helping you out. That said, they will ultimately relent if you've got money, They're just going to charge you more for stuff, or they're going to shortchange you a little bit, uh, whether that's in terms of actual change or supplies. If you want 100 feet of rope, maybe you only get like 80 feet of rope. Um, (laughs) So anybody who wants to get supplies here, so let me see if I can pull up some prices real fast. Okay, so if anybody wants to go get supplies, sounds like... Finnegan and Arnis. Darvin, is there anything you want to pick up? No. I mean, also rope, because I think I used the last of mine. I would share that concern. Okay. But nothing else. Alright. Believe it or not, the rope merchant and the jerky merchant are not the same merchant. So, Finnegan, gonna need you to roll for the jerky. Arnis or Darvin, gonna need you to roll for the rope. What are we rolling? This is persuasion or intimidation with disadvantage. For either of you, and this will help determine the uh, how well they receive you as a customer. So we're rolling two d20s. Yes. Taking the lower is what the disadvantage means. If you want to burn your inspiration on some rope purchasing, you can. I already burned mine in that fucking fight. <laughs> I just rolled a pair of ones, y'all. <laughs> Ooh, I rolled a 15 and a four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with the rope gang. Aharnas and Darvin, how much rope do you want? Rope is sold in 50-foot lengths. How many do you want? I'd want at least four. One for each of our main party members, and then an extra one. Cyril gets her own rope? (laughs) No, I just want an extra one, because we seem to burn through rope at an amazing rate. It's true, we tie a lot of people up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, um... That four comes to a 19. Okay. Oddly enough, hemp and rope costs a gold for each length of it. Um, okay. That's what it is in the book. 
they don't like you very much. You rolled well, so they're only going to upcharge you a little bit. Rather than four gold, you're going to have to spend six gold here. I know. Okay. Such a pain. Um, Finnegan, crit failing. Ay ay ay. How do you get a pair of ones? Should have taken the lucky feet. Ah, nuts to that feet. Let's see. One day's worth of rations typically cost five silver. I think what happens is, first, the jerky merchant just shuts the doors on you. Well, that's jerky. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually, we'll let you in. He's like, all right, chance to make some money. How much can I get out of this jerk here? Um, You're the jerk now. They look at you. They know who you're running with. And they're like, jerky, five gold apiece. Holy shit. Straight up that ten times inflation. S- such a fucking markup. <laughs> I look at him and I'm like, this is what I say. What was that? I, I, I swear I must, be, I must be hearing anything. You said five silver, right? Five silver gets you a swift kick out the door. Five gold if you want any jerky. Oh yeah, I'll see my way out, you... And I call him a jackass in Draconic. <laughs> he swears back at you in Dwarven. Oh, good. We're on the same, we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> so no purchasing of jerky then? <laughs> no, but well, we're going to stop right me. outside the door and I'm going to give... Um, I'm, I'm, we're just going to linger there for a few minutes in case uh, Cyril may need to leave him a gift. Oh, that's rude. <laughs> oh, you should just come tell me. I'll get your jerky for you. Ah, uh, those are the prices now. No, yeah, those are the prices now. It's okay. If Arnus wants to come and spend the money himself, he can, but that's the price isn't changing. That's that's what it costs for your crew. I can. Do you need jerky? I can. No, we can... not that badly. We're not paying a 500% markup. It's only a 10 times markup. No, yeah, no. <laughs> that's ridiculous. No. I'll find it somewhere else. We survived. We survived Caravel. We can. We can do this. We have the money. No, I'm not. No, on on principle, principle, I'm not playing that much money for jerky. (laughs) It's literally like the average person's five months worth of work for a single piece of jerky. No, fuck that guy. Imagine you're going to McDonald's and they're like, "You want a single cheeseburger? It'll be ten dollars." (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> no extra jerky for Cyril an extra slick spot in front of this jerky salesman's door oh, I just assumed it was poop she was sleeping but uh, it's kinder we, we don't need to get into the specifics of it Finnegan and Cyril <laughs> did a rude thing <laughs> So yeah, well, you undoubtedly did a good thing here in the city by putting an end to Nils and the core group of the way of obligate mortality and preventing Grim Pendants from falling into the hands of anybody else. People seem to be focusing on the fact that there was a slaughter in the church and that the God of Death showed up and you all were at the center of it. And when Coram left, he did not look happy. He looked mad. So our little resupply 
only partially successful. Darvin, Arnis, Finnegan, as you're walking through the city, you all notice that guards are following you at a distance as well. Just keeping an eye, making sure there's no more trouble. And also, that path that Corum used to leave the city. There are people inspecting it. There are people beginning pilgrimages in an attempt to follow Corum's footsteps. Even if he was upset, it's still a god. Like, Corum is still a god, and if a god is physically present here, and is just walking the road, like, people want to know. It's not a lot of people. Some people are disturbed by Corm's presence. Others are just... Others are pulling a parlin. Like, Corm's parlin's over there, you know. Oh my gosh, God of Death was here. We better go find him. And yeah, you, his footprints are actually still visible there on the, the cobblestone and in the snow. Kind of left an indelible mark in the city. All that being said, is there anything else we need to do before we leave? Take to the skies. No, I think I'm good. Yep. I'm good too. Okay. Okay. Before leaving the city, I think it's only reasonable that your party wants to know, particularly Olwan, since he's going to be piloting the ship out of the city and for great portions of the journey as well. Where are we going? Uh, oh my God, what's his name? Oh, Levesque? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're headed after him, unless anybody else had another idea. No, I think that's no. where we're going. That's it. I yeah. think that's where we're going. Okay. Last you heard, Levesque was going to Lyranor, the northernmost continent on the planet. It is a desert continent, completely entrenched in the summer sea. Just like the southern tip of Sarakar here, and the entire continent of Vorzeth, even farther to the south, Lyranor, the desert continent up in the north, never sees nighttime. Here you never see day, up there you never see night. So it's a very rough place to go. And also it is just very far away. As many in your party will tell you who know even just the basics of geography, so probably everybody except for a couple of the kids, Lyranor is too far to go in a single shot. We'll probably have to be making resupply stops along the way. At least one more here on Sarakar itself. That said, is there anywhere on Sarakar in particular that you would like to stop to resupply? Arnis is going to wait as long as he possibly can to answer that question. To make sure nobody else answers that question. I can help provide some names of places that you've been to before. As well as oh, no, other places. Oh no, Arnis knows where he wants to stop, but he's going to try to not answer. All right, everybody, we're going back to Honey Hollow. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> okay. No, I've got no preference or request. Okay. Darvin, do you have any leanings one way or another towards any of the cities that you've been to before? Nope. And so seeing the sort of like, I don't know, look on like everybody's face, Arnis is going to be like, okay, I feel justified in making this decision now and say, well, I mean, Capris is right at the north. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) seems a good spot to me. Mm -hmm. For (laughs) speaking as a totally objective outside observer with absolutely (laughs) no personal interest in the matter. Uh huh. 
Um, does anybody have, I, I've got a character response here, but I want to see if Darwin or Finnegan have a response here before I chime in with my smart ass self. No, Finnegan doesn't have much. He's like, sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, whatever you choose. Supplies or supplies. Yeah. Those are supplies. Sam, like Sam looks at all of you and he's like, we could get supplies at Capris. Yeah. It's a little bit of a smaller city though. <laughs> I we could always stop at Karami. They've got much more going on there, and we have more powerful allies in that city as well. Why should we be choosing Capris? <laughs> I'm going to look straight at Sam and be like, I'm sorry, Sam. For once, I wasn't thinking with my head. Like <laughs> <laughs> <And> this... <laughs> Physically laughing, Finnegan has lost it. Wait, does Finnegan know at all about oh, With a statement like that, I don't know anything, but that is <laughs> unlike anything Arnis has said the entire time I've known him, and I can get an innuendo. I am losing it. <laughs> for, like, just for reference, Arnis means his heart, <laughs> but it doesn't sound that way. <laughs> I see. I see. Okay. Arnis is thinking emotionally. Right. And there's a look of realization on Sam's face. Would you say that? Ah. Gotcha. (laughs) I I didn't know. I wasn't 100% sure. I didn't know. Looks over to Carolina across the the lounge inside the ship. Gives her a wink. (laughs) Carolina wasn't there. She doesn't she doesn't know for sure what's up, but now she knows. One says, okay, yeah, I know which way it is to get to Capris. If the weather holds, it should be, uh, you know, a dark and cold trip for a while, but should be all right. I think we've got enough, right? Looks around. It's nods like, yeah, we've got enough supplies. Um, cool. We're headed back to Capris. I mean... <laughs> You mean what? Everybody else was very quiet, so I just gave a suggestion. I was like, if you're leaving it up to me, I'm gonna... I'm just going to leave a note here. Arn is not thinking with his head. Subnote. <laughs> his heart. <laughs> you pervs. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, we've also got Vice Count Alicia there. We've got Nowhere there. We've got Ray Meyer there. The potential for that portal will still be forcibly held open by Ray and his spiders. I mean, Capris is a cool place and all, but some shit definitely happened there. Okay. Okay, Capris it is. And Iskra, who's been following you around during this time, one of the only locals who is not put off by your very presence. She says, ah, Capris is nice, but ah, I don't think I can go back there. Not after the incident with uh, Felicity. She looks over at Felicity. Again, sorry about that. I just don't know if everybody else would be as forgiving. And besides, the church here is in a very rough state. Someone should probably stay behind and help and do what they can to help explain the situation. 
So unless anybody has any strong feelings about keeping her around, Iskra's going to stay behind. I think that's all right. She can do what she wants. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well, I know it's probably unlikely, but if you ever do find yourself back down here again, let me know. Hopefully, folks will be a little bit more accommodating next time. I'll do what I can about that. Can't make any promises, though. It's it's all still too fresh in everybody's heads, you know? Yep. But yeah, good luck up there. And Iskra will leave. So, Olwan takes a look around. All right, then. Well, let's get the boiler going. Start getting that balloon filled back up and should be able to take to the skies real soon. We all set? Just looking for one final nod? Yep. I think so. All right. He'll go into the boiler room, get that reactivated again. Yeah, that's magical in nature. Does not burn just mundane fuel. It is, like, magically powered as well. He gets that going. He heads up to the deck. And the Regal Splendor, as it is still named, lifts off the ground. And he guides it north, out of the city, and into the darkness. Traveling north through the night sky of Sarakar, leaving Libera behind, you're once again greeted by unending darkness. There's a sliver of a moon shining. Clouds come and go as the hours pass. In the distance, in several directions actually, there are various thunder and lightning storms, but none of them have gotten too close yet. As we're traveling north, what are people doing to help pass the time? Darvin, I'm going to call on you first. Whittling. Uh, what is Darvin whittling now? It doesn't matter anything. <laughs> Where are you getting the wood for this? Oh. Did you bring some from Libera? Did you yeah. break a piece off of the railing? Probably not that. That seems like a bad idea. Let's just say I grabbed a couple of tiny scraps in Libera. Okay. And it doesn't matter what I'm whittling. I'm just trying not to think about, you know, God and all that. Okay. Arnis, what about you? I don't actually know. He's really having a struggle with the whole, like, thing that just happened with Corum. He also kind of can't believe that he got his way for where we're going to stop. <laughs> and so he's having a little bit of an existential crisis right now. <laughs> One, like, is this just how gods behave? Are they just, like, dicks all the time? Like, do I have to be terrible all the time? Is that just the way it is? And then also, like, oh, my God, I got my way. Now I have to see this girl again. <laughs> <laughs> I may die. <laughs> Just like mm -hmm. on the spot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Arnis. I think, I think paralyzed by inaction might be a good description of how Arnis is doing. Like he's sitting there with his loot, like with the intention of playing, but he's not actually doing anything. Just sitting there. Mm -hmm. And Finnegan, what are you and Cyril up to? Man, we're just hanging out like i think I'd, I'd take her up to the top deck like at the warmest parts of the day to get her some run around time 
probably <laughs> hanging out with Asturias and and uh, and just like maybe doing some some just like playing on the deck with uh, I can't remember the name of Asturias's bear Chase Chase yeah they're just like I think passing time like I'm a military man I'm used to like you got to pass time as you go from one location to the next mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe even like getting to the point where I'm like finding some time to like spar like throw spells back and forth with people like just keeping active keeping my you know not letting the ring rust set in uh-huh uh-huh okay wonderful well there will be days and days of this as the trip continues north darvin whittling arnis paralyzed an emotional crisis and Finnegan spending some time with Astorius and Chase, keeping Cyril as exercised as possible. Mm-hmm. Nate. Yes. Roll me a d20 real fast. Okay. 17. Okay. So then, it's midday, around lunchtime. Difficult to tell, again, as you're still in the winter belt. It is very difficult to know the time of day by looking outside. Sam and Olwan have been doing their best to make sure that we're on somewhat of a regular schedule, keeping track of days and the rough approximation of time of day. Part of that is regular food times. So it's lunchtime, probably just after lunch. Parlin has cooked again. It's a passable stew. Cleaning up. Everybody's feeling good, feeling well rested. When the ship shakes. And there's a moment of pause. Turbulence? Some wind? Mahogany is going to head up to the deck just to check in with Olwan to see what's going on. Maybe it's turbulence. Maybe nothing. And then the ship shakes again. And she comes running back down. She's like, we're in trouble! Something's hitting us! What do you do? Grab my wands and run up to the top deck uh yeah same i mean i've just been like sitting with my loot so i just i go honestly grateful for the distraction (laughs) yeah okay getting to the deck it is dark except for a few lanterns that are posted looking out into the night sky you don't notice anything right away and then there's another hit just to keep things orderly and quick, let's roll initiative. Just so I know which order you're all acting in. I can call on people more easily this way. Good deal. There's a good roll. Alright, just a moment here. Okay. Arnis. 21. Ooh, Darvin. 17. Finnegan. Uh, dirty 20. Ooh, very nice. And just in case... Darwin and Arnis, you should be rolling for your divine and rebellious charges now. Yes. Ah, oh, right. Oof. Oof. I rolled minimum. I rolled two. Two. Arnis? Poopy. This is going to end well for me. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> I have five divine charges. Hey. I rolled a three, and I have four rebellious charges hey. because I rolled a three. Okay, <laughs> three's all around. 
three, 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 three. Okay. So whatever it was that hit the side of the regal splendor just bashed into it again, just impacted again. And the ship rocks a little bit. Arnis, looking out, you don't notice anything right away. So what do you want to do? I don't know. Perception? To see if I can see anything? All right. Do you have any sort of dark vision? Uh, I do, but I have, like, shitty dark vision now. So, um... (laughs) Because I'm, like, not as elfy as I once was. So, like, hang on. My dark vision is now... I can see in dim light within 30 feet as if bright and in darkness as if dim, no color, shades of gray. So, okay. We're 30 feet of dark vision. All right. All right. Go ahead and roll perception. That is a 23 perception. Hmm. Very nice. Very nice. This is definitely out there at the shades of gray range. Peering over the side railing of the ship, you look out. Where are they? What is this? What's happening? And you see a giant pair of wings flash by overhead. And by giant, I mean 20-foot wingspan. Holy shit. I call that out to everybody. I tell them what I see. All right. Finnegan and Cyril, you're next. All right. Well, knowing the direction to look now. Um, I want to try and see if I can see what this creature is and maybe help interact with it or attack it. If I feel like it needs to be attacked. Okay. Let's start with the perception roll here. You also have dark vision, right? Yes. Okay. And I think you have better dark vision. I do. Let me look at it real quick. All right. 60 feet. Is that shades of gray, shades of red, or color? What do we got out there? Let me look. I don't know. <laughs> I do not know either. Finnegan's a standard so tiefling, just, right? Yeah. So it just yeah. says, can't discern color in that direction, only shades of gray. That's okay. what it says about dark division. About dark vision. Cool. You're also seeing this in shades of gray if you see anything. Okay. Go ahead and roll perception. Plus two. Okay. Plus two, two. Oh, fucking A. Uh, it was a 18, and then it rolled one more and turned into a two, so that's a four. Arnis rushes over to the side of the ship, points up. Giant wings, giant wings. You go out there and take a look up, and nothing. So I turn to Arnis, and I say, I can't see anything. What do the wings look like? Does Cyril do anything? Mm, let's see. Cyril doesn't have dark vision. So uh, could perceive with disadvantage here, but uh, does Cyril have an ability to communicate details with you? We can communicate telepathically, but I don't know what degree we've established that communication okay. goes. I think at the very least she'd be able to say or to communicate that she does see something or hear something or smell something. So she can roll with disadvantage let's, if yeah, you want to give a shot. That. Let's Let's and let's say not see but smell because if she can tell me she smells something and we can kind of then I can maybe see if it smells something she smells that's familiar, like right, right, right. Um, with disadvantage, right? Yeah, it's disadvantage because you can't see anything. I know it's smell, but also you're way high up and then windy. Well, this is the way I'm gonna roll tonight. I rolled a 20 and a nine. 
That nine becomes an eight. Oh, Cyril's at a minus one for perception, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I think Cyril communicates back like confusion. Can't be certain if there's anything out there. The air so is then, cold and it's dark. So then I, with nothing else to do, I'm going to use my thaumaturgy to make my voice boom up to three times as loud. And I'm just going to call out, I creature, we do not uh, mean to cause any harm. We're just passing through. There's no need to cause any violence or attack us. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to be like, yo, yo, like... I respect you. This is your airspace. We're just, we're going to move it along. <laughs> All right. Well, the voice is out there in terms of trying to get anything from whoever, whatever is out there. We'll have to wait until next round. Just because you've already rolled for perception and yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing. Okay. Darvin, what about you? I think all I can do is run out there and make a half-assed attempt to try and perceive. All right. Because I got no dark vision or nothing. So it is going to be hard. Right. Uh, it'll be with this advantage. So let's see yeah. what you see here. Smell. Okay. Oof. It's a five. Oh, dear. <laughs> the night is dark. And it is quiet. Quick question, just so I can place you all in my head. Are you all on the same side of the ship? Looking over the same railing? I would think. I would assume if I was the one that said that thing out there and then everybody ran my direction. Yeah, we would have followed. Probably going to bite us in the ass, but. All right. Fine. Old one is doing his best to keep things steady as you're all there at the side of the ship looking up, looking to see if there's anything out here. And then then it's the danger's turn. From below, below and out, not directly below, but from a short distance away. Lower than where you are on the ship, there's a flash of blue, unleashes, flies, hits the side of the ship, and it rocks again. (laughs) And looking down, you can see some ice forming on the side of the ship. And you hear, you hear a faint yet high-pitched screech sound. As this creature gets closer and the blasting continues. And ice is beginning to grow on the side of the ship. And then above, you hear something drop down onto the top of the dirigible balloon. Arnis, what do you want to do? There are multiple targets out there, apparently. Someone is trying to freeze the side of your ship. Um, do we know where any of these targets are? Like, if I tried to hit them with something, like, I'm going to have disadvantage, right? You just got a bead on the one approaching from below, who's blasting some sort of ice magic at the side of the ship. And someone definitely, or something, definitely just landed on top of the balloon. In terms of line of sight, they're in darkness, but they are approaching. I think once they get within that, was it 30 feet or 60 feet that you can see them in dim? 30. Okay. If you wait until they get about 30 feet close, which they were headed right towards the ship, you'll be able to get a rough outline of them. Or you can try to deal with whatever's on top of the ship. Okay. They are approaching. Like, if you want to wait for that one to come at you from below, we can have that happen right now. Uh, yeah, if, if you'll allow that to, like, come in my range of sight, I want to shoot a mm-hmm. firebolt at it. 
that's exactly what they're trying to do. See, you saw a couple blasts of blue, some ice magic hitting the side of the ship, faint silhouette, faint silhouette with each blast. And as you ready yourself, this huge owl flies into your vision, and it has a rider. Shit. There's the owl and the rider. You can target either one of them. I, I, was, I was trying to decide if I wanted to say something before I shot, but they like came at us and immediately started attacking. <laughs> so I'm just going to shoot. Okay, shoot your we'll shot. This, we'll see how this goes. Uh, I'm attacking the writer, not the owl, now that I know that there's a writer. Okay. That's a 15 to hit. Okay. That'll hit. Oh. Ooh, 10. Fire damage. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. You unleash your firebolt at the writer of this owl. Hit them square in the chest. And they immediately careen the owl sideways towards the rear of the ship. Anything else, Arnis? No, that's, that's all I can do. Okay. Finnegan. How large is this owl? Large-sized. Cool. How far away is the owl? See, they were just at the 30-foot range when Arnis shot them, and they started banking. So probably about 25, well 30. Within, yeah. Well, within my wand that doubles my range. Cool. Then I am going to attempt to cast Autoluke's Resilient Sphere upon the Owl. Resilient Sphere. Oh, is this the Tamer Sphere? This is the Hamster yes. Ball? This is the dip. This is the Hamster Ball, which would effectively throw the rider off of the ball and cause the Owl to fall out of the sky. What? Because it oh, can't shit. fly in the sphere, and the sphere only captures the one creature, so it would have to force the other creature off of the sphere. Just a second. Just, I was looking at the wrong page. Let me see. Let's see. Nothing can pass through the barrier. Spheres immune I, mean, I don't know if this is going to throw them off. Uh, creature or object inside can't be damaged by attacks or effects originating from outside, nor can a creature inside the sphere damaging outside it. And even if they fell off it, they would just be, I guess, tumbling around on the inside of the sphere itself. <laughs> The sphere is weightless, just well, large enough to contain the creature or object. An enclosed creature can use its action to push. Oof. Yeah. So what happens if I effectively cast this is my question. Because I would know, but I mean, yeah, Finnegan yeah. would know. I don't know. Okay. If you're casting this around the owl, it's the owl who would be making the save, mm-hmm. not the rider. Mm-hmm. Since this sphere needs to encase the owl and the rider is on the owl's back, I'm just trying to imagine like if this were a horse and you were encapsulating the horse, because it's not like the bubble just emerges from a single point and pushes things outward. It forms around them. Mm-hmm. I think at that point, I would leave it to the rider to decide if they get knocked off or if they stay with their creature, because if we were on the ground, I could I wouldn't want this to like double up and be like, ha, I got the horse and the rider. Mm-hmm. The rider could choose to, like to hunker down and like hang on to the horse or get knocked away. So I, I think I would extend that same kindness to a creature in the sky. Mm-hmm. Would it also prevent them from flying anymore? Yeah. So if they fail this save, they will be bubbled and fall to the ground far below. 
I'll and take not it. really take much damage since the sphere is immune to damage, and they would really just be getting banged around. They'll t- they'll hurt. It'll hurt, like, but not splatter. We're gonna forego some physics here. It will at least take them out of the fight for a little while. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we can do this. We can do this. I'm gonna laugh if all of this becomes moot because they make the save. Uh, me too. Um, me too. I mean, if we wanted to play physics really hard, you could calculate the time it would take for them to fall to the ground and then unconcentrate the moment before and they splatter oh on the ground. Um, <gasps> that's so that fucking dirty. That's so terrible. <laughs> but that's not the kind of game I want to play. No. Let me see. Where? Where's me owl? There's my owl. They are somewhat wise. They have a plus. It's a, a plus constitution. One. Or not. It's a, it's a dexterity save. Oh, it's a dexterity save. Ah. Uh, which is going to be good because it's an owl, but this is the this is the play I'm making. Yeah, it's a plus two instead of a plus one. Ha ha. Yeah. All right. What's Lolo's the save? Got Eighteen. Oof, that's a high number. Let's see what we got. Uh, that's a two on the die. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> the little dance he did was that was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love it. Okay. Leaning over the side of the ship. You launch out this resilient sphere, and it encapsulates this giant owl. The rider, not wishing to abandon their companion, clutches on tight to the feathers. The owl finds it impossible to maintain flight within this sphere, and there is a panicked screech as the pair begin falling to the ground below in the darkness. Um, they don't get to try to save again. It's just like until you drop concentration or the minute passes, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just a minute. Not too worried about it. Cool. Nicely done. Anything else, Finnegan or Cyril? Um, fortunately, in this situation, there's nothing either of us else can do. So that is our turn. Okay. Darwin, one threat has been oh. taken care of, but there is someone on top of the balloon presently. I think all I can do is fire an arrow. Um, through the balloon? Oh, no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> that's a Thank bad you. idea. You can I... do it. It would be effective. But... No, let's not do that. That's a good point. Yeah. The balloon is not transparent. If you want to go up there and take care of them, you'd probably have to climb on top of the balloon. Mm, or wait okay. for them to do some shit. <laughs> Could I get up there? How far would that be? It'd be an athletics check to start climbing that. Yeah, I think you could do that in a single athletics check, if okay, successful. It's worth, it's worth a shot, then, because otherwise I don't think there's much I could do. Yeah, you've got a speed of 55. Yes. You can hop onto the railing. I imagine there are ropes helping to hold the balloon down to the body of the ship itself. There's those metal pipes that lead up into the balloon, which help fill it with the hot air. Go ahead and make an athletics check. Not my strong suit, by the way. I know. Uh, I got a three. Total? Total. Was that a three on the die as well? Three on the die, no bonus. Making sure you didn't crit fail here. No crit fail. You're no longer deathless, you know. Maybe don't fall off of a ship. Uh-huh. He's still slow fall. He, yeah. Oh, he... No. That's true. And you still have your key point thing. You would survive, but you would also be out of the fight. Except for the the ball down there now. <laughs> <laughs> 
or very soon to be down there. Okay, a three. You didn't crit fail. You're not falling off. Get up, grab onto the rope, start pulling yourself up. But it's so cold out here, you couldn't realize just how much extra warmth the pipes, the heating pipes, provided down here on the deck of the ship. And as soon as you grab onto the rope on the exterior of the balloon, it's so cold. Like The ropes are partially frozen. Your hands begin chilling. And you really are just like stuck halfway up the balloon right now. But I think from there, you can like glimpse some movement on the balloon. You hear a little doop, doop, doop as they're walking against it. The footsteps echo a little bit louder since your face is pressed up against the side of the balloon. So there's definitely somebody up there. And you can see them. You don't know what they're up to yet. You're about to find out, though, because it's their turn. Well, a couple of things are going to happen here. First, whoever is on top of the balloon is going to cast some magic. Darwin, you can see this flash of blue as well. They are basically trying to chill the balloon, which... Everybody notices the effects of right away as the balloon just drops 10 feet. Because hot air balloons need hot air. As that air chills, down you go. Second, it was not just these two. No, no, no. Flying in from the other side. Silent wings. Turn at the last moment and there's this huge white bat with yellow ears and darkened skin in the wings, and someone leaps off the back of this bat, tumbling onto the deck of the ship. She's short and a little stout. She is a dwarf fiend. She's got these gold petals braided into her hair hanging down behind her, and as she is tumbling across the deck, she pulls out a javelin and she's going to fling it at one of you. Arnis. She tumbles, pops up to her feet. Chucks a javelin at you. Probably not. That's a 10 to hit. So it flies past you. Sticks into the deck. She just continues the jog across the deck and leaps off the other side. Her bat catches her. Quick. And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and pick out a level that's right for you. Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 City Council level, thank you, Shannon DeMello. At the $10 mayor level, thank you, Christopher DeMello. At the $15 governor level, thank you, Phoenix Bryan and Sierra Jones. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrenpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrenpodcast.com. As always, thanks to Daryl Barnes for creating our theme music. You can find them on Twitter at Daryl Barnes underscore. We also want to thank the talented at Gabby underscore Desu on Twitter for our fantastic podcast art. Thanks again for joining us. 
We'll see you next time on Seasons of Skyrend. Amidst the wreckage and recovery from war, a new secret war begins in the alleys, docks, gambling pits, and sewers of Aratai. A war of assassins, smugglers, crime lords for the underbelly of the city. Caught in this struggle, a bounty hunter and a thief for hire find themselves entrusted with the protection and life of a very special child. This is a story from the Shadows of Aratai. Premieres November 12th on Dice Legends.